Jesus House in pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential, impacting lives. This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London. God bless you. Father Almighty God, we come before you as a family. We thank you for your kindness, your grace. In your favor, we really ask tonight that you help us articulate that which is on your mind. Eternal Rock of Ages, we thank you for everybody joining and we thank you for everybody here. And we ask Father Almighty God that by the end of today that they have the most remarkable week. We're excited for tonight, my Father. We're excited for all that you will do through your word. And we ask it in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen and amen. Ladies and gentlemen, um, good evening, um, everybody. First things first, before we start, let me just apologize for last week. We had, um, I'm sure a few, quite a few people were trying to join and, and they couldn't. We had a whole range of technical issues last week and it was, it was beyond us. We literally could not get onto this platform. And so we had to switch to Instagram Live, which interestingly um, served our purposes. We're grateful for that. So we're doing the due diligence now. And by God's grace, we'll be able to get to run the Bible study on probably on more than one channel um, as time goes on. Um, and, but we wanted to apologize for everybody who tried to get on last week and couldn't. And what I'm going to do is I'm just going to do a very brief overview. So we're going to pack a lot in today. It's going to be a lot of fun, a whole load of fun tonight as we go before God. But we wanted just to say we apologize. Um, it was literally beyond our control. We were on the phone um, for quite a few hours and the team did remarkably just to try and get it through. And so hopefully for those of you that did join or did manage to join last week, we hope you enjoyed it. Um, as we go through the next few weeks, let us do our due diligence and then we will, um, by God's grace, open things up as we go forward. And so ladies and gentlemen, we come to tonight. And so for the benefit of those that weren't here last week, I'm just going to do a really quick recap. Um, and so our text is the word over Jesus house um, this year. And it is taken from the book of Luke chapter five. Um, and this is a promise to you. And, and this, is, this is a word to us as a church and as a family. And it's a promise to, to you. And so let's, I'll, I'll read. And I'm going to read from the Amplified Classic just um, as I read through, and I'm going to read from just from one to 10. And so, yes, from verses one to 10, and then we'll go from there. The Bible says the following. Now it occurred that while the people pressed upon Jesus to hear the message of God, he was standing by the lake of Genesaret, Sea of Galilee. And he saw two boats drawn up by the lake, but the fishermen had gone down from them and were washing their nets. And getting into one of the boats, the one that belonged to Simon Peter, he requested him to draw away a little from the shore. When he had sat down, continued to teach the crowd from the boat. And when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon Peter, put out into the deep water and lower your nets for a haul. And that's our word for this year, that launch out into the deep. Whatsoever it may mean for you, that's our word for this year. Verse five, and Simon Peter answered, Master, we toiled all night exhaustingly and caught nothing in our nets, but on the ground of your word, I will lower the nets again. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish. And as their nets were at the point of breaking and they signaled to their partners in the other boats to come and take hold with them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw this, he fell down at Jesus's knees saying, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was gripped with bewildering amazement, allied to terror and all who were with him at the hall of fish, which they had made. 10. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon Peter. And Jesus said to Simon, he said very specifically to Simon, have no fear. From now on, you will be catching men. And ladies and gentlemen, that's the, that's the story. That's the, the, the verse that we have. And in particular, verse four, 
that's our word for the year. And what we said last week, and this is where we have, and I just zoomed through what we went through. What we said last week was many of the promises that God gives us do not, we either we do not claim or we do not see them through so that they become a reality in our life. And we looked at, so what we did was we started looking at the keys or the things that we need to do so that we can make sure the promises come to pass in our life. I'll read through very quickly. I will not reteach them. And so we looked at four things. Number one, a promise enables you to function like God. And when we say that, what we mean is when you take hold of a promise, it has to find its way into your mouth. And so you should really have to be declaring over your life that this is the year I launch into the deep and I will enclose, as Jesus promised, a supernatural catch that will transform my life. Begin to declare what God says over your life and just keep going from there. And that's the first thing. And the Bible says that you, and the reason we said that is, uh, the reason we said to focus on a promise is it enables you to function like God. When God wants to do something, he speaks. And that's really important. The second thing is isolate or identify the problem that a promise is meant to solve. So you are consistently on a day-to-day basis bringing the problem against the promise that God has granted to you. Now, the reason being is God and his promise are one. God and his promises are one because God's promises are found in his word or they are promises that he has actually spoken to you in your personal time. And what you begin to realize then when you present the promise against what you are facing, when you begin to declare that I am healed by the stripes of Jesus Christ, that Jesus has borne my griefs and carried my sorrows, that he was wounded, bruised, and he was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was upon him. And with his stripes, I am healed. Therefore, I declare that this cancer, this sickness, this, um, um, this I, I, I just have a sense of somebody struggling with um, breathing challenges, a breathing challenge. I declare that you are healed. What you're doing daily is you're confronting your challenge with the promise effectively you are bringing your promise in front of god and that's the second thing we we spoke about last week third we said a promise has to be believed to be activated now that's pretty much straightforward how do you get to a point of belief when we spoke about that that peter had that opportunity he heard jesus preach He had seen Jesus in action. He had been a beneficiary of Jesus's ministry. So by the time Jesus said, launch out into the deep, it wasn't random. It was built on something. And he believed what Jesus said because of the experience. And so for you and I, ladies and gentlemen, when we get into the word and when we read, study, meditate, confess and do the word, it builds our faith and our confidence and the promise begins to move closer and closer to fulfillment. And the last one we looked at is this, the promise must become your only way out. It what Basically, what you realize is there has to be a point where God solving your challenges is there's no other way around it. There are no alternatives. No, God will heal you. God will break through. God will cause your circumstances to work together for good, irrespective of what anybody says or what happens, that the overriding factor in your life and in your circumstances will be the promise or the word of God. How that's going to happen really is not your challenge. Your challenge is to believe it. And remember, a promise is believed based on the integrity and based upon the track record and the ability of the person who gave you the promise. And that's where we ended it last week. And it was it was a really, um, we, that's where we pretty much stopped last week. And so we're gonna continue. And so effectively we're coming to point five. And point five, ladies and gentlemen, is this. So I'm, we're looking at the keys that will bring a promise to pass. And we're looking at, now we're coming to point five. So we've gone through four. And like I said, they're all on the podcast. Now we come to point five, and it's this. The promise you have to become when it comes to bringing in a promise, when you're drawing it in, you must become persistent. That means, now when I say you must become persistent, persistence, ladies and gentlemen, is born out of a reality of ownership. Now, when we say that, say, what do I mean by ownership? That means if I'm holding a 20 pound note, the promise associated with the 20 pound note is mine. 
And that means as long as I've got the 20 pound note, I can make a demand on what that 20 pound note can do. In the very same way, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to realize that once Jesus said to Peter, he said, launch out into the deep and so that we can have a deep a catch. That was the overriding thing across all his circumstances. Why is that really important? And this is what I want you to realize. The first thing I want you to grab tonight is this. Come with me to 2 Corinthians 1, verse 20. So 2 Corinthians 1, verse 20. And the Bible says the following. I'm reading. Um, I'm going to read from the King James Version of the Bible. It's, it's, and the Bible says the following. For all the promises of God, in him are yea, and in him are men unto the glory of God by us. So pause for a moment. That means once God has given you a promise, because of what Jesus has done, you can become persistent. That means you can begin to speak the way God wants you to speak. You can begin to picture, you can begin to meditate on it. But most of all, you can begin to make a demand that, no, this is going to happen in my life. And what we're saying is you have to become persistent. And when I say persistent, it's literally you have to fight for it. And you've got to say it. Not, and it's, it's not just saying it once. Um, it, okay, it was declared over our lives on January 1st. But if you do not bring it back, bring it back in thanksgiving, bring it back in prayer, bring it back in praise, pray it in tongues, speak it over yourself, celebrate when you see little things begin to happen. What that means is you become persistent. Now, what I want you to remember um, to keep in mind is notice what the Bible says about Jesus. The Bible says Jesus is two things. The first thing, when it comes to a promise, he said he is the yes. That means if I have a promise, that is anchored in the Bible, because of what Jesus has done, the Bible says that I can take that promise the same way I can take a 20 pound note. And because of what's behind it, the promise is ready to be activated on my behalf. So I can declare over my life that I am my my health is restored because of what Jesus has done. I can declare over my life that I have sown, therefore harvest will come to me. I can declare over my life um, that, and, and this is what I want you to begin to realize. These are the things, because of what Jesus has done, the promise is fully active. So the first thing is once I get a promise, the Bible says you are working on a yes. So, Lord, I have, let's say, I've, I, let, um, let me use this one. Let's use seeds and the promises associated with seeds. Now, Genesis chapter 8, verse 22, and I will read that. I'll read it in the Amplified Bible. Um, if I need to go to the Genesis 8, verse 22, and I'm, I'm going I'm to slow down a bit. And the Bible says the following. The Bible says, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. So that, ladies and gentlemen, is a promise. It's an assurance. That's what God said to us. So I'm going to pause for a moment. Let's make our declarations. Oh, Lord, we are your people called by your name. We humble ourselves and we pray. We seek your face. We turn from our wicked ways. Hear from heaven, Lord. Forgive our sins and heal our land. In Jesus' name, we pray. We declare our land is healed in the name of Jesus. Amen. So what are we doing there? That, if, that was perfectly timed. Why? Because that's a promise. The promise found in 2 Chronicles 7, verse 14, that if we humble ourselves, pray, seek the face of the Lord, turn from our wicked ways, hear, and we will ask God to hear from heaven. He will forgive our sins and he will heal our land. We are now, and we have been doing this for the last two, two years, that we have been declaring that over the United Kingdom or wherever you are wherever you're watching or listening to. Now, what are we doing? We are consistently activating the promise. We do not doubt the promise. And we, even if we don't see it, but we are activating it because we've made it a declaration and we speak it over ourselves. 
So let's go back to our, our example, which is Genesis chapter eight, verse 22. So when you, when you sow, let's say when you sow a seed, the Bible says there are four things that are inseparable. They're like inseparable twins. See, um, cold and heat are inseparable. And if you have cold on one side, you will always have heat on the other. Summer and winter, one will follow the other. Day and night, one will follow the other. But then God then places seed time and harvest together. That means if you can identify seed time, harvest is yours to claim. And so you can now, if after you've sown a seed, after you've given a tithe, after you've sown an offering, after you've been kind to someone, you can now say, Father Almighty God, because I have done what you said I should do, I can claim the promise that seed time must be followed by harvest. I thank you for it. And then begin to speak it over your life that Lord concerning this, therefore my storehouses will not be empty. My vats will overflow with new wine. Speak over yourself and say, Lord, as I have given, it will be given back to me. Good measure, pressed down, shake it together, running over shall men give into my bosom. Lord, as I have given, Father Almighty God, the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, which causes all sufficiency, will come to me in abundance. And you begin to speak those words over yourself. Now, what am I saying? You do so persistently. You become stubborn. You lock in that God, because of what Jesus has done, I'm not shifting from this promise. I'm not shifting. This is now what I'm holding on to. Now, I want you to, I'll say this last thing and then I'll move on. This is key, ladies and gentlemen. Um, it really is. You will only fight for something that you know you own. You will only fight for something you know you, you own. And let me explain something to you. Let me read 2 Peter 1 from verses 1 to 4. And I want you to understand something. The promises are yours. They are not something that will be given to you. They are something that has been given to you. Second Peter chapter one, reading from verses one to four. And I'm going to read from the King James version of the Bible. The Bible says, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. According as his divine power has given unto us all things. Notice the Bible says, has given unto us. That's past tense. All things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, i.e. Jesus Christ our Lord. Verse four is where we're going. The Bible says, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Pause for a moment. The Bible says the promises have been given to you and I. That means in the very same way I have in the Bible a book of promises, it's the same as if somebody gave you a wallet full of 50 pound notes that you can still starve. Please hear me. If you put the wallet of 50 pound notes under your pillow and wander around the streets and don't eat, you will starve. You're rich, but you will starve. So you have to spend the promises the same way you spend money. And the reason I'm saying it is you've got to become persistent that no, this promise is mine. Jesus has died. Jesus went to hell. Jesus has resurrected. The price of my challenges, the price of my sin has been paid for. Jesus has ascended. He is seated by the right hand of God the Father. Therefore, this promise has to work on my behalf and get aggressive with it and don't take any prisoners. And, and this is the last thing I'll say in this, and I think I, we did say it last week, is this, Matthew chapter 11, verse 12. Matthew 11, verse 12, the Bible says, from this time forward, from the days of John the Baptist until now, 
the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent taketh it by force. You will only fight for what you know you own. I'll give you an example. Um, I, I really want to get through. Oh, wow. I, I'll give you an example. Uh, many years ago, I was sitting with my daughter in McDonald's. She was much, much younger. So she was pretty oblivious. And there weren't that many seats. And so one young lady picked up a seat from another table so she could sit with her friends. The person whose table it was came back, found the seat missing, looked around, saw where the seat had gone, walked over, snatched the seat back and put it on her table. And the other child who was, you know, of a quieter extract just stared in amazement because she knew that, wait, this is my seat. And I'm I'm not going to fight for it, but I'm 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 going to have it back. It's mine. I, I I put my stuff here. It's mine. And this is what I want you to realize: the promises of God are yours, and they are active. And the last thing we'll say about this is the Bible says in Second Corinthians one verse twenty, the Bible says Jesus is the Amen. Now, when I say the amen, that means so be it. Let it happen now. That's why. Step number five. Become persistent. Fight for what is yours, because these words are just going to hang there unless you fight for them. You've got to hold on. Honestly, you've got to hang in there and make sure the promise comes. So this is your year of, of launching into the deep. This is your year of a miraculous catch. This is your year where you will not end it the way you began. This is your year. Why? The promise says so. Who's going to do the heavy lifting? God Almighty. You and I are just going to do, are just beneficiaries of what he has done. Okay? So keep that in mind. So let's go to number six. Um, let's go to number six. And number six is actually quite interesting. Number six is interesting. The reason I say so is this, please write this down. So point number six in bringing the promises of God to pass is it, or key number six is this, be sensitive for the triggers or actions that lead to the miraculous. Be sensitive for the triggers or actions that lead to the miraculous. Now, let me go back to Luke chapter five let's put this in context when jesus asked peter launch out into the deep the bible says peter wasn't idle the bible says peter was washing his net so it was the normal process of the day it was the end they had fished all night it was the daytime, they were washing their nets, they were going to go and rest, and they were going to go back out in the night. When Jesus said, let me use your boat, that meant Peter had to go out of his way. And this is sometimes why, please hear me well, this is sometimes why miracles don't happen to us. It's because we miss the triggers, because faith will always require an action. And let me, and I'll, I'll give you a testimony which literally happened maybe about an hour ago two days ago um last week while we were on our walk my wife and i and and we're uh, we're believing god for a whole range of things and in this particular case we were we're believing god for provision of a very large sort on our journey out we just we, we walked we were walking around we decided to go a different way than we would normally. And halfway onto our walk, I noticed on the floor a bank card and it was rush hour. So people were walking to and from the station and we saw a bank card. So I picked up the bank card and I realized somebody who was rushing to the station must have dropped it. So we looked around, there was no way we could find the person. So we decided that, you know what? We will reshape our walk until this particular bank opens, and then we'll go and return the car. So we went on our walk, timed it, walked back in, and we could see the shock on the people's faces when we walked in and we, you know, we're, we're in walking gear. We said, oh, we found this bank card. Somebody dropped it. Um, I'm sure they're looking for it, and here we go. And I'm sure someone would have thanked God that, 
you know, the person who picked it up didn't decide to go and buy trainers, didn't decide to go and buy chicken, hammer it until the bank says no more and then just ditch it. We left it. Today, my daughter went out to the doctor, walked back in, and she didn't realize that she dropped her wallet. I was coming down for the Bible study and I noticed, oh, wait, your wallet is on the mat in our house. Somebody had found the wallet and because her driving license was in it, had brought the wallet to our house and put it through the letterbox. Ladies and gentlemen, hear me well. This is one of the reasons I'm really excited about tonight. Please listen. Don't miss the triggers of miracles. The triggers, and this is, I was thinking that that is one example. So because we were kind to somebody else, God, it happened to us. And this is what I'm saying. The blessings that you activate will also be, they will not only work for you, but they'll work for your family. Now, please keep this in mind. This was what I discovered when I was studying and because I wanted to give you some examples. And so, ladies and gentlemen, what I want, what I'm going to do is I'm going to run through nine examples that really threw me because I was saying, how come I described the triggers? How, because the one that I had in mind was kindness. But this is what the Holy Ghost said. He said, go to Galatians 5.22. So I did. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to run through them with you. All, listen carefully, all the fruits of the spirit trigger miracles. And so let me run through them with you because I, I'm, and I'm, I'm going to take my time. Number one is, so turning your Bibles, if you would like to, to Galatians 5.22. Let me go to Galatians 5 and let's go to verse 22. And let me read it to you. And then I'll run through the list. The Bible says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. And the Bible says, against such there is no law. Listen carefully. When you find the triggers, the Bible says there's nothing that can happen that can stop your result. There's no law. There's no curse. There's no limitation. There's nothing. God makes it happen. Now, listen carefully. Let's run through the examples. Love. Write it down, ladies and gentlemen. John 10, 17 to 18. The Bible's... and. I actually, this is pretty much the key of tonight. So John 10, 17, the fruit of love. Listen to what Jesus said. The Bible said, therefore does my father love me because I lay down my life that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have the power to lay it down and I have the power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my father. The miracle of life and death. The miracle of Jesus going, going to the cross and coming back to life, the Bible says it was the product of an act of love. The, this is what happened. So the fruit of the spirit of love, yeah, the fruit of the spirit of love triggers miracles. Step one. So when I say identify the triggers, so the first one is love. Number two, joy. Turning your Bibles, ladies and gentlemen, this is why it's a Bible study. Acts chapter 16. And I'm going to read from 25 to 26. So the first one was love. The second one is joy. And the Bible says, and at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God and the prisoners heard them. Now, remember, Paul and Silas have just been put in jail. They have just been beaten with 39 stripes, 40 less one. They have been, not been put in a regular jail. They've been put in an internal jail and they have been locked in the stock. So they're chained, so they can't get out. Now, the Bible says at midnight, Paul and Silas did two things. They prayed and they sang praises to God. And the Bible says, and the prisoners heard them. I mean, that kind of, let's clarify. Happiness is circumstantial. Joy is relational. When you have joy, it is because of the God you are connected to. Happiness is based upon your circumstances. 
Paul and Silas had a rough set of circumstances, but then they stepped into joy. Now, listen carefully. Verse 26, the Bible says, and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prisons were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands was loosed. Listen, so because they stepped into joy, don't miss the triggers. So listen carefully, because you might be going through a challenge, do not step out, don't miss the opportunity for the trigger of joy to bring a miracle in. And so what happened? They began to sing praises and they began to thank God in the middle of a difficult circumstance. And let me explain something. This is I've experienced myself. In the middle of trouble, God will give you a song that will allow him to fill your space. And the rest, they say, ladies and gentlemen, will be history. So first one, love. Second one, joy. Peace. First Samuel 25. Now, I'm not going to read it. Please write it down. First Samuel 25. David has been protecting a man called Nabal. Nabal, he's a very angry man. He, his wife described him as a child of Belial. That means he's a child of the devil. He's just a ruffian. And he, David says, you know what? We've been protecting you and your men, me and my 400 guys, even though we're on the run from Saul. Could you please send us some food? Nabal said, which kind of terrible answer is that? Maybe... God judge you. you. You've left your master, troublemaker, and he was very rude. David is surrounded by 400 trained killers. When they heard that, <laughs> the place exploded. David said, everybody arm yourself. He was ready. The, but uh, it is 1 Samuel 25. 1 Samuel 25. And He's on his way to Nabal's house. And what he said was, I will not leave anybody living. Nabal's wife hears that David is coming. And this is how her husband has spoken to her. Nabal's wife, Abigail, gets her ladies together, gets food, and she literally moves so that she meets David and his killers. So in between her and her house, she meets them and she literally intercedes. She says, please don't mind my husband. My husband is a crazy man, da, 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 da. And she says, please accept this. This is for the young men. Here's food, here's bread, here's wine, here's raisins. And David was said, he said to her that, listen, because of you, there would have been bloodshed this night. The miracle is this, or one of the miracles is this. She steps into peace. The Bible does say, the blessed are the peacemakers for they shall see God. Listen very, I think that's right in Matthew 5. Abigail goes home. Nabal hears what would have happened to him and has a heart attack. Abigail is now a widow. When David hears that she's a widow, he says, that lady exhibited something that is priceless. Bring her into my house. Ladies and gentlemen, miracles happen because of triggers. What was her trigger? The trigger of peace. And I'm going to go through all nine. I would love to get through all this, but you know what? If we, what we don't finish this week, we'll get to next week. Number four, long suffering. Please turn in your Bible to Luke 2, Luke 2, 25. Luke 2, 25. And the Bible says this, this particular, this one is long-suffering, sticking with the Lord. Now, Simeon is the one for long-suffering. Luke 2, verses 25 to 35, you realize so Luke 2, 25 to 35, just in case you're listening by podcast, I will go through the, the, the scriptures that I say. Simeon is an elderly man, and God gives him a promise. He says, you will not go to heaven until I show you my faithfulness, and you'll live until you see the Messiah. 
The Bible says he's 80 years old plus. Jesus, Mary and Joseph bring an eight day old Jesus into the temple to do what Moses said to him. And the Bible says Simeon comes by the spirit, Luke 2, 27. He came by the spirit into the temple when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law. Verse 28. Then he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now let us thy servant depart in peace according to thy, thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of the people of Israel. Ladies and gentlemen, the miracle was triggered. Why? He stuck with it. Does that make sense? He stuck with it. That means he stuck with it. It's called long suffering. Sticking with God even when it looks like it's over. I wanted to stop after that, but the Holy Spirit said we should continue. So I'm going to go to number five. Number five is gentleness. First Samuel 1, verses 9 to 19. First Samuel 1, verses 9 to 19. The Bible says that this is, this is the story of gentleness. Now, when we come to First Samuel, it's a lovely story. And I'm going to read from verse 9. So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by the post of the temple of the Lord. Verse 10. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid, and remember me, and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life. And there shall no razor come upon his head. Verse 12. Remember in verse 11, she said what? Remember me. Verse 12. And it came to pass as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli marked her mouth. Now Hannah, she spoke in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she had been drunk. She had been drunken. And Eli said unto her, how long will thou be drunken? Put away thy wine from thee. Verse 15. <laughs> Gentleness is a key. Verse 15. And Hannah answered and said, no, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I've poured out my soul before the Lord. Count not thy handmaiden for thy handmaid for a daughter of Belial. For out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. Verse 17. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. Let me skip. Okay, the Bible then says in verse 18, she says, let thy handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went away and did eat and her countenance was no more sad. We're going to come back to that verse later. Verse 19, and they rose up in the morning early and worshiped before the Lord and returned and came to their house to Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her pause the trigger for her miracle was gentleness can you imagine you have just prayed the prayer of your life and a pastor and this is this was a person who this is this is a massive priest he comes along and he says you're a, you're a drunk <laughs> in certain countries the way they would have answered him would have hit twitter it would have been something spectacular that me all of a sudden prayer would have been forgotten and she could have buried the priest listen very carefully gentleness is a trigger and so ladies and gentlemen i want you to remember the promises of god come to pass when you make actions that are faithful triggers for hannah 
it was gentleness. When she spoke to the priest, what did he say? He said, may the God of Israel, he stepped into his anointing as the high priest. He was God's mouthpiece on earth. He said, may God grant you what you're asking for. And may God grant you an answer of go in peace and God give you the petition. Notice in verse 19, God does exactly what she says. And so let me say this over somebody's life. Simply because you're here tonight, may God grant you an answer of peace. And may God grant you the petition that you have asked of him. Trigger. Okay, let's go to... Um, so we've got three, three more to go. So now let's go to the next one, which is goodness. First Samuel 30, I'll just tell you the story. First Samuel 30 verses 10 to 19. In first Samuel 30 verses 10 to 19, David and this same group of his mighty men, they just had Ziklag burnt to the ground. All their family has been taken, all their children and all their goods. The Bible says that they got so angry they wanted to stone David. David steps into this famous verse in 1 Samuel 30, and the Bible says, and David um, encouraged himself in the Lord, he spoke to the Lord, and the Lord said, pursue and you shall overtake. On their way of pursuing, 200 are too tired, they stay by the brook, the brook vessel. 400 men driven by anger, driven by pain driven by focus pursue after the people that have their families these are trained killers they find an egyptian and the egyptian they feed him that okay where are you from he says three days ago i was part of the raiding party that burned ziklag david had a choice satisfy his bloodlust and cut this guy into pieces he decided that you know what feed him, give him water. And he says, can you take us to this particular troop of people? And the man said, yes, I can. He said, on one condition, you promise you don't kill me or send me back. David said, no problem. You see, goodness is God's character in action. David had no other motivation to be kind to this gentleman than the goodness of his heart, because he had every right to kill him. And just to prove a point, he killed every other Amalekite he could find. He slaughtered them. The Bible said they fought for a day and a half. But for this Egyptian, he was kind. The goodness of God took over. That Egyptian was the key to them finding the Amalekites, getting their people back, recovering everything that was taken, and more. So God's word came to pass. What was the trigger? Goodness. The next one we're going to look at is faith. Faith is the one associated with Abraham. If you turn in your Bibles, ladies and gentlemen, to Genesis 22, verses 1 to 19. Genesis 22, verses 1 to 19. The Bible says that when God asked Abraham, give me your son. For his purposes, we've read the end of the Bible, so we know what he was doing in that he was saying, you give me your son so I can bring the Messiah into the world to make a similar sacrifice to yours. Abraham does so. And I'm going to read God's response. The reason I'm going to read God's response, I'm positive somebody out there needs to know that these are the kind of triggers. And so Abraham's belief in God, which we call faith, triggers a miracle. And this is the miracle. Verse 15 of Genesis 22. And the Bible says, and the angel of the Lord called out of heaven the second time and said, by myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that, I, that in blessing I will bless thee, 
and the multiplying, I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven, and as the sand which is upon the seashore, thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. Ladies and gentlemen, the Lord God never repeats that phrase. Abraham's miracle, which runs till today, was because he believed God. So, ladies and gentlemen, and the last one, um, there, there are two more. Let's run through them. So that was faith. Let's go to meekness. Meekness, ladies and gentlemen, you'll find the story in Acts chapter 10. And because it's the whole chapter, I will not read all of it. But what I want you to realize, meekness is power under control. It means when God says to go somewhere, you go somewhere. Peter is a Jewish believer, very firmly Jewish believer. And the Lord asks him, he says, listen, I want you to go to the Gentiles because I want you to move the promise to the next level. Peter said, I've never ever done that before. I've never eaten something unclean. The Lord explains it to him through a vision. Peter agrees, Cornelius comes, Peter goes with Cornelius. And so Peter goes to Gentiles for the very first time. The Holy Spirit has only ever been poured out upon Jewish believers. Now they're with Gentiles, people who are not of the Jewish faith. Peter preaches a sermon, and the Bible says, while he was speaking, the Holy Spirit falls, not just on the Gentiles, but the gospel now moves to the next level, and that is why all of us are Christians, because somebody was meek. Meekness means, God, I'll go where you want me to go, even if it's unusual, even if nobody has ever gone before. And so I'm speaking to someone this year, when God gives you an instruction, ladies and gentlemen, just simply going, obeying the Lord is a trigger that will cause the miracles that you know about and the ones you don't know about to happen in your life. The last one, ladies and gentlemen, is temperance. Temperance is a fruit of the spirit where basically it means self-control. Temperance triggers miracles. Doesn't mean you're acting the fool. It triggers miracles where you just say, Lord, you will govern. As long as you are established, I'm going to let it govern where I am. The example, ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening, especially if you're listening by podcast, Second Kings, and I'm only going to read one verse, Second Kings 4, verse 26. Second Kings 4, and I'm going to read verse 26, and this is what the Bible says. Now, the story is very interesting. The, the woman has built a house for Elisha. Elisha has prayed for her. She has had a child after a very long time. The child grows up. The child passes away while he's with his father in the field, they carry the child to the, to the um, lady, the child passes away and she puts him on the prophet's bed because she had built a house and a, and a room for the prophet. She tells her husband, send me a donkey. He says, where are you guys? I'm gonna go and see the prophet. He says, why are you going to see the prophet? He said, she says, well, you know what? I've got this, just, just let me go. Then the Bible says she gets on the donkey, goes and finds the prophet. And then the prophet sees her coming. And he makes a very interesting statement. He said, the Shunammite is coming and God has hidden from me why she's coming. So he sends his servant Gehazi. Gehazi goes to meet her on the way because Elijah's sitting on the mountain. Elisha is sitting on the mountain and he asked her a question. And this is what I mean by temperance. That means God sets the temperature of your existence. Everything is under control. 
and he asks the following questions. He says, is everything well with you? And she says, is everything well with your husband? And then he asks, is everything well with the child? And the woman answers three times, knowing that the child is dead, says it is well. The rest, they say, ladies and gentlemen, is history. Those are the nine gifts of the spirit. And this is what touched me. Those are the triggers, ladies and gentlemen, that God will use to open doors for you that you can't open yourself. Enjoy going through the list. But what's the thing I want you to remember? Look for the triggers that create miracles. They open the doors of miracles. They move God's plans forward. So please keep that in mind. And that's number that's number six. And so I wanted to go through that. And it was very interesting that, listen, it's a very interesting, I've never seen it like that before. And I hope it really blesses somebody. And for whoever is believing God for a miracle, as much, so many times we are asked, so what do I do while I'm waiting? Look for the triggers. And the triggers are listed before you. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. Those are the things you do while you are waiting. The rest, they say, will be history. Okay? All right, let's go to number seven. And um, we've got two to do, and we'll finish, we'll finish today, and then I'll take questions. Number seven, the promises will cause you to walk an unorthodox and possibly a controversial path. Now, let me explain that. So let's go back to our, our, our base text, which is Luke 5. Remember, when Jesus says to Peter, launch out into the deep, listen to Peter's answer, verse 5. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing nevertheless at thy word i will let down the net meaning what he was saying was we're out of season and, and, and matt bird used this story on sunday it was fantastic so please grab that message great message and he said we're out of season fish don't come to the top this is israel we're talking incredible temperatures so fish go to the bottom where, where it's cool in the night, they come to the top to feed, and that's when we catch them. But he said, at your word, I'll do what you say. And so it's uh, it must be lonely because he's the only boat going out. The rest of them must have been laughing that what is the matter with Peter? Is he gone crazy? No, the essence is sometimes a promise will cause you to walk a path that other people don't understand. God will prove himself right. And so what I want you to realize is don't be afraid to walk that path. Trust the God who gave you the promise. And what happens? Peter breaks all, he breaks all protocol and also he breaks all records for fish. Because not only does his boat get, not filled, filled to sinking and fills all his partner's boats to sinking, meaning they brought so much fish back that it caused them to realize that you are a prophet. And that's something I want you to hold on to. So that's number seven. Promises will cause you to walk in an unorthodox way. So when God says launch out into the deep, ladies and gentlemen, he's not necessarily going to ask you to do, to do something within your comfort zone, but he is going to ask something you to do something that you are skilled at. So please keep that in mind. Okay, let's go to number eight. And number eight is really, it's the icing on the cake. And so what does it mean to bring the promises to pass? And number eight is believe it is done before you see any results. Now, I'm going to use one verse of scripture to drive this home. Turn, let's go back to Hannah's story 
first samuel chapter one and let's go to verse um let's go to verse 19 let's go to verse 18 verse 18 so first samuel one verse 18 you have to believe it is done before you see any results the prophet says go in peace and the god of israel grant thee thy petition you have asked of him remember this lady has been barren for a long time. She's been, um, she hasn't had children for a long time. She's been trying and trying and trying. But the, prof, the, the priest says this. Now listen to verse 18. And she said, let thy handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went away and did eat and her countenance was no more meaning she believed what he said and it affected her outside. It affected the way she interacted with people. It affected the way she ate. But most of all, her countenance, her outlook on life, the lens through which she looked on life changed. And so, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to realize something and please keep this in mind. Believe the promise before it comes, because that is what activates the whole thing, because promises of God are activated by faith. And faith, second, uh, let me read 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7. As we bring this to a close, the Bible says, for we walk by faith, that's belief and trust in God, not by sight. And this is something that, 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 that we realize, ladies and gentlemen, please keep this in mind. That means you will not see it. And I say this carefully until you believe it. Sometimes that period is short. Sometimes that period is longer. But we now know what to do while we're waiting. So you're not idle or just allowing, you know, Satan to batter your life. But listen carefully. What did Hannah do? The Bible said she ate and her countenance was no more sad. How did they know? That means the way she spoke, the way she acted, the way she carried herself. It was already done before she got home. And so, ladies and gentlemen, I wanted, you, I wanted you to keep this in mind. I wanted you to hold on to these eight principles because the promises of God this year must come to pass over your life. Three major ones. This must be a new season for you. Number two, this, and, and the Bible says that, you know, Isaiah 43, verse 18 and 19, it must become a reality for you. Then we've got Song of Songs 2, reading from verses 11 to 14, and please read it in, the, in the, the Passion Translation. This must be a dawning of a new season for you. And now we've got this one. We've got to hold on to the word of God, which says launch out into the deep and so that you can have a miraculous catch. Listen to me very carefully. This is the year that God's word must come to pass in your life. I pray, especially as we're coming up to June, that this will set your mind in such a way, set you in a most successful position so you can believe and see what God has done. So let's pray as we close. Um, if you do have questions, we'll pick them up next week. If you have a question, pop it into the chat now. I'll copy it and then we'll pick it up next week. But let's say a prayer as we close. And Father Almighty God, we just want to say thank you. We thank you for all that you have done today. We thank you for your word, and we thank you most of all for revelation. We pray that, Father Almighty God, that the darkness that has surrounded many of your children is dispelled forever. We pray, eternal rock of ages, that miracles will become the watchword of your children as they launch out into the deep. Let them not be afraid. Let them walk in confidence and assurance that you, O oh Lord, are leading them. 
Father, for those who are listening that require miracles, we join our faith with them. And we really do from the miracle of salvation through healing, through provision, through guidance, through strength, through courage, through insight, through wisdom. We join our faith and we pray that the Holy Spirit, especially if those that are listening by podcast, that this is a special time in your life where you need to hear God's will and word, may it come to you and may God be kind to you. Lord, we commit this week into your hands. We thank you for all that you have done, and we thank you for all that you will do. May your name be glorified. In Jesus' most holy name, amen and amen. 